Welcome to Murder in the Black with Steph and MB. any announcements for you guys today not today but you know we do want you to go like you know subscribe share um do all of those things we know you're listening we are excited to see our numbers rising but now we just need you to you know tell us give us some feedback right definitely and i just wanted to go ahead and drop our um email address it's murder in the black the podcast 36 at gmail.com that's a kind of a handful i'll say that at the end too yeah, that was a lot. It was, but you know, we'll we'll drop that in our notes or somewhere on the podcast. <laughs> you guys can just copy and paste, okay? But what do, what what do we need to do, MB? Go grab your coffee if it's the morning and your wine if it's the evening. But either way, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So our case today is called. Secret love. Oh, secret. Isn't that Your a secret love. love. Come on, Luther. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I literally thought of that when I came up with the title. I was like, yes, this is it. But we want to know, uh, let you guys know that you can find this on the ID channel, Discovery Plus. Um, it's the show is called Grave Secrets, season one, episode nine. Yes. Get credit where credit's due. Yes, we have to. So on January 19th, 2008, um, 911 dispatchers get a call in Austell, Georgia, which I don't know exactly where it is, but it's close to Atlanta. So it's a suburb. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the so, mm-hmm. And they got a phone call that a deceased female was laying on the ground covered in blood. Um, and they discovered that it was Marlissa Wells and she was just 16 years old. Oh, yeah, I hate when we have to cover like I do too. Crimes. I mean, any crime, but like a murder of right. a young child. Yeah, so yeah, sad. it hits definitely different. And this happened in broad daylight, so this is even more sketch, right? Because it's in a really good community. Um, but the fact that it happened in the daytime is just even more sus. Like the boldness of the perpetrator, Absolutely. you know. So there was no forced entry. The back sliding door was actually open. It had a small gap in it. So whoever did this, more than likely, Marlissa knew them, right? Okay. She let them in. Um, so it was just blood everywhere. Actually, there was 60 identifiable stab wounds, blood force trauma to her head. It was a fracture to her skull. Like So she was found in the basement bathroom, and whoever did this, they hit her head on the toilet. So it was just, it was, it's a bloody scene, y'all. I, I just, mean, and like 60? Yeah, 60. Identifiable. Right. I mean, it could have been more. Yeah, yeah. But we've identified 60 different stab wounds. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely a crime of passion. Yeah. So we oh, yeah. not only know that she likely knew the perpetrator because there was no forced entry, mm-hmm. but the body is telling us that 
she knew the person. She knew the person and they want to ensure. Yeah, because nobody that is a stranger is going to stab you 60 times. Mm -hmm. They might, you know, just kill you. you you Kill you. (laughs) You Make sure you're hurt and gone by my business. I'm about to leave. Right. 60. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. But let's get into who Marlissa was um, outside of what happened to her on that fateful day in January. She actually was living with her grandparents, and they don't really give much background to why, necessarily. Um, Her mother was on the episode kind of like talking us through who Marlissa was, but there was no indication of why she was living there, right? But um, she was living with her grandparents, and her grandparents were very conservative. Um, they didn't allow her to date. Um, boys couldn't come over. You know, kind of like the status quo. I feel like me and MD, that was up, pretty right? much... <laughs> like, like, this is normal behavior. Right. Couldn't talk on, the boys, mm-hmm. to, talk on the phone to boys until I was like... I think I was a sophomore in high school. Right. Yeah. This is pretty normal to me. But I I guess in today's society, it could be looked at. Oh, yeah. Absolutely straight. Yes. So um, they really, her grandparents, when they were interviewed by the police, they had no idea who would do this to her because according to her grandparents and her mother, she was just a typical teenager. I mean, she loved to go to school. Um she was active in her community. People knew her. Uh, she actually sang in the choir at school and they didn't know her to have a boyfriend because okay. of course, I mean, but of course though, right? Like you're going to keep, I mean, your fa- like if, right. if you can't have one, like your family is not going to be the one. That you <laughs> Especially have one not your strict grandparents. Because so now you did say that her, even her mother said, so mm-hmm. she lived with her grandparents, but her mother was still in her life. Yes. Her mom was still involved in her life and you know, with, go over and do things and she would spend time with her daughter. So okay, okay. it's very much she had a relationship life. with her. It's yes. just my grandparents were helping in the raising and she lived right. with okay. Right. It. So the police kind of like taking that information, but it kind of just kind of it doesn't really lead them anywhere. But someone in the neighborhood as they were doing canvassing, going around talking to different people inside of the neighborhood, they said that they noticed a green car with a black male um in the neighborhood. And a f- he could well, he was a like a family friend to uh, Marlissa and her grandparents. So the family knew this guy. This guy, yes. And I, the, his name is James, and I'm not going to say his last name because this was a dead end. They were able to, he had an alibi for where he was, and it just, it wasn't him. It basically was not him uh, that was even in the neighborhood at the time. So okay. that was a dead end, and they went on to talk to her friends at school. But it turns out she didn't really just have a ton of friends and her best friend was named Sarai. And you know, I as I was thinking about this, I was like, is that the is that Sarah's name in the Bible before? Yeah. Was Sarah? Yeah. 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 I thought that was kind of cool. Sarai. Sarai. I like that name. Me too. So Sarai and Marlissa were best friends since sophomore year. Um they so they pretty much met that year. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um, they would talk before class and Marlissa did say that she knew this guy named Matthew and she was dating him. And she would always speak super highly of him, but no one knew him, you know, and I, this may no, be like even Sarai didn't know Sarai him. didn't know him personally. Like she, she heard of him. him. She knew of him, but okay. never met him, you know, because I think she was a transplant. Like, so she didn't go to she wasn't there freshman year. Right, got it. So she didn't know who this guy was. She never met him, but, you know, saw a picture of him, but just didn't really know him that well. Um, 
So she didn't know much about him. But what they did know is that his name was Matthew. So his name actually was Matthew Wilkins. He was a star basketball player at the high school, but he had graduated and went off to college. Oh, okay. He so wasn't even he's there. older. Right. Not only, <laughs> not only was Sarai only knew of him, but he, mm-hmm. he was older and he wasn't. He, he wasn't, wasn't even in the city. The right, right, okay. right. This makes sense. Mm-hmm. And he came from a well-off family as well. They were a good family, Christian family, went to church, and kind of the same background as her, like mm-hmm. in terms of the conservative family. He already left and went to college and, um, you know, she wanted to continue the relationship. So that's exactly what they did. She described him as her knight in shining armor. So everything like we actually see a picture and I, I, of course, will always attach pictures of the people in our episode. But Matthew was actually like pretty handsome. Like, he was like that guy that you would want to talk to in high school, but maybe you couldn't. Right. Okay. okay. He was a popular guy, <laughs> super handsome. Right. Whereas, I mean, Marlissa was cute, but you could tell that that he probably wouldn't want to be seen in public with Marlissa. Now, no shade to how she looks. She's a cute girl, but he just, you know, was that star he guy. Was that guy. He you was know that what I mean? That popular guy that just, you know, he he was yeah. I yeah. mean, everybody. That's the best you way guys to say it. Know what we're talking about? Yes, you know exactly what we're saying. So. They go ahead and, you know, investigate him because naturally he's the next person that they need to look at. Well, they see that he has no criminal history. Um, He's friendly. Everybody loved Matthew. And he was actually living in South Georgia, going to school there. And he was on campus at the time of the murder. So that kind of rules him him out. out. Yeah, okay. And it's in South Georgia. So it is... Oh, you know, it was completely out of the way. It was so it's no not way. close. Right, it's not close. There okay. was no way in their mind that he would have been able to do that and then get back to the home. So they actually do learn, though, however, um, that he had a girlfriend. So, okay. So, wait. Another out. girlfriend. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. Because okay. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a second. Okay, we I'm knew sorry. he had a girlfriend. Her name was Marlissa. Right. So... Marlissa wasn't the main girlfriend? No, she was not. And that would make sense because not a lot of people even knew about Matthew other than Sarai. So, and I said not a lot of people. The Mm -hmm. only person that knew about Matthew was Sarai. Right. So he was like the secret and so was she. Yeah. He was, yeah. I was about to say, no, she, no, he was too because of her grandparents and and she had to keep it on DM. Yeah. Okay. And that would make sense also because he's older you know, of course he's not going to be continuing to, like, openly date this sophomore. Right, like, really? Not that it can't happen. For right. Us, but It does, but not usually, right? Because, like, when you go to college, I'm trying to date college people. Right. right. And I'm even when both college. of you go off to college, right. if it's different colleges, you're trying right. to be on your campus. Right. But he actually had a main girlfriend down there. Okay. And they find out that maybe she has a motive. Like, maybe she found out about... Marlissa and went and like, you know, hit her up. Right. So they actually talked to her and she tells them her name was Simone. She's like, yeah, I knew about Marlissa. I found out through text messaging, but I would, I wouldn't kill her. Like I I just broke up with him. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I just did the normal thing that people do. Yeah. Okay. So so were they able to corroborate her, her testimony? Yes. She was actually at home with her parents and every, they were able to substantiate that. And, now they were kind of just left, you know, 
trying to figure out what they're what gonna happened? do. Well, you know, and so because they were hitting these dead ends, mm-hmm. right? They hit a dead end with Matthew, with James, then they hit a dead end with Matthew, mm-hmm. and then they hit this dead end with Simone. So now they decide, okay, let's just go look through Marlissa's cell phone, which, you know, guys, it takes time to be able to pull cell phone records. Right. And, and so they, you know, but they can't find her phone. So that that was, you know, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> exactly. But cell phone records, you know, show that she did talk to Matthew a lot up until the time of her murder. Mm. So, you know, they, they're able to see that, okay, there's conversations that are transpiring with Matthew. Um, and so they decide, you know, let's actually go up and actually talk to him at his dorm. Like, let's just, you know, let's do a pop-up. Right. And let's see, you know, instead of just going to his, because when they initially went to talk to him, mm-hmm. they went to his home. Right. In the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now they're like, no, let's go down to the dorm and let's see what we can figure out, you know, doing that. And they get, they actually were able to get a warrant mm-hmm. um, and, and they were able to search his dorm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they initially just really didn't find much. Mm-hmm. Um, what they did find was like a pile of clothes that was like behind a furnace mm-hmm. and wrapped inside was the clothes were some shoes. Now these shoes, they looked clean. You know, they were yeah, they were sneakers. white. They showed a picture of the shoes, and like y'all, they were white. They were like. white. But a good investigator knows that some DNA is not visible by the mm-hmm. actual eye, mm-hmm. and so they still sent it off for testing because they were like, let's let's just you know let's get everything mm-hmm. tested. Let's dot our eyes, cross our T's. Mm-hmm. So they send it you know to the lab to you know to get tested, um, and then they find out that Marlissa had a secret. Oh Lord! Yes, and Ugh. so they they go and they talk back to Sarai, the best friend, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, Sarai, is there anything else, you know? And remember, I've told you guys, like you know, from previous episodes, that the, that inv- police will come back and talk to you multiple times, not necessarily because they think you're lying, mm-hmm. not necessarily because they think that there's a reason to, but because there are things that we sometimes will remember after we have had an initial conversation. Right. And so it's like, you know, they come back to see, did you think of anything else? And lo and behold, Sarai did. And 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 here, it, it wasn't so much that she thought of something else. I think she finally got the guts to, to, say. T- to say that, hey, yeah, um, Marlissa admitted to me that she was pregnant. Right. And they really hustled to get that out of her. Mm-hmm. Like she was actually on the episode saying that she just really didn't want to say it because it was a sore spot for her. Like she was just like, oh God, like, you know, I don't know. I think it's kind of scary being 16 years old. and Yeah, for sure. And, and I maybe think, that's what it was. Yeah, I don't I know. It is because, but I think what I want, even if we have some teenagers that are listening to the right, show, right. parents, what I want to stress is that sometimes you can be you can like be the missing link for them to find out what happened right. to your friend. Right. And, and ultimately you want justice for your friend and, and it's not worth keeping the secret of your friend who is no longer here. Especially if they're deceased, because I know we had a case or we've had cases where the person is missing. And so you just hope what maybe they'll just come maybe back. Maybe they'll and, come forward. Yeah. yeah. And, I'll and I don't have to share secret. this secret. That makes right. more sense. Right. But if they're already gone, you need to give the police as much information as you possibly can. 
And so, you know, she, you know, they, she finally comes forward. She talks, she tells, tells the police about this secret. And she talks to them about how, you know, Marlissa was struggling with, you know, just how to deal with this situation. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think any 16-year-old would be. She was, you know, feeling bad because she knew she was going to disappoint her grandparents mm -hmm. and being this teen mother. Mm -hmm. um, and she was conflicted about the pregnancy altogether. All Did she mm -hmm. want to keep the child? You know, she kind of wanted to be able to have this family with Matthew because she really, you know, was into Matthew. She really loved Matthew. And she even shared with Matthew that she wanted to keep the baby. Mm -hmm. Now, simultaneously, Marlissa's brother, Eric, actually comes forward mm -hmm. and he tells the police as well that he had overheard some conversations with Matthew where Matthew was threatening her, mm -hmm. you know, and he wasn't sure what it was all about. Right, because he didn't stay with the grandparents. He was actually mm -hmm. just visiting. Right. And he saw some threats on social mm -hmm. media by, by Matthew, but again, not sure what it was really all about. Mm -hmm. um, so this is what you know, the police need to kind of really move forward and figure things out. You know, they're gathering this evidence. Mm -hmm. Well, finally, the evidence, um, the evidence, the shoes that the they tested. Yes. Comes mm -hmm. back. Okay. And it does have splatters of Marlissa's blood. Oh Lord. So shoes that looked completely <laughs> like guys, we're going to post the picture of these mm -hmm. shoes. Yes. Like white. Like completely clean, mm -hmm. and my I think the big takeaway here, the point here, mm -hmm. is that to the naked eye, DNA may not look like it's there, mm -hmm. but unless you are some kind of murder cleaner, mm -hmm. like a, a cleaner, crime scene cleans, crime scene cleans mm -hmm. and can get rid of, you know, even and even then, you don't know if you can completely get rid of the right. DNA that right. is on, you know, and so it was so good that the police sent that off for testing, regardless of what it looked like to the naked eye, because they were able to see that, hey, there's some blood, on, and it's Marlissa's blood. Mm. And mm -hmm. her DNA is mm. found. So on January 2008, they finally have enough evidence to arrest him for murder. They do. I wanted to ask you really quickly before we move on, were they able, when they went to go search his, childhood home did they talk to him or did they try to talk to him no they did not because he he did what we usually say right <laughs> he actually did exactly <laughs> what i say i mean which is good uh -huh. because he said i'm about to lawyer mm -hmm. up i'm not mm -hmm. talking to you and i say innocent or guilty get a lawyer get a lawyer lawyer up mm -hmm. innocent or guilty lawyer lawyer up and that's exactly what he did mm -hmm. and so they weren't able to talk to him and while they did gather some evidence at this crime mm -hmm. scene right like they saw some things that looked suspicious mm -hmm. um then they find out that like you know he had a possible motive mm -hmm. it still wasn't enough until they got that mm. testing back and that it's so important because a prosecutor is going to always look at the totality of the of the evidence they're right. looking at like is this enough to win mm. not just enough to take you to trial like right. circumstantial evidence i've said this before is enough to you could you could go to trial and win cases mm -hmm. of nothing but circumstantial evidence but you still need to have enough of that evidence right to be able to say i could win before a jury uh, i could i present this to 12 people and mm -hmm. i know that they will come back with the guilty verdict. right and so once they got that blood on that crime you know that was shoot, a slam dunk it, it was you know and i don't want to say slam dunk but okay. i want to say that for them they felt like hey this is a solid case mm -hmm. you know um because remember he's saying he wasn't there 
He's right. saying I'm, I'm not. I wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. So if she, if you weren't there, if she wasn't, if you weren't, you know, all the way there, right? You were in South Georgia. You, how did how blood, did you get blood on your shoes? sneakers? Right. You know, uh, her blood. Right. It's hard to explain. <laughs> and remember, it was a bloody crime scene. Right. Very bloody. Extremely bloody. Right. And I mean, I just want to say, I'm, I don't mean to mm-hmm. like, you know, just keep drilling in but mm-hmm. he probably tried to clean these shoes right that's why they look so white mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's yet, why they were behind this furnace because they under a pile of clothes. under a pile of clothes <laughs> because like literally they couldn't find anything initially when they searched and it's something to be said my dad used to always tell us you've got to be thorough <laughs> and the police were thorough because they could have missed that yeah for sure. You know what I'm saying? It was behind a furnace in an attic child. I don't and, even think and, I would have looked like that. And they were thorough in the sense that they sent it off for testing, right. even though it looked clean. Right, because they could have dismissed it. They could have said, oh, well, this is clean. Right. Yeah. And like, I mean, he could have threw the shoes away. Because it was really mm-hmm. the only real tangible evidence mm-hmm. that they had, but it was enough to take him to trial. Right. So what happens that Okay, so they when they take him to trial, we find out what really happened or what the prosecutors allege happened on the day of her murder. They said that um, her and Matthew, as we already know, because they pulled Marlissa's cell phone records, were talking. And Marlissa finally uh, came to the conclusion, um, and this was also substantiated by Sarai, that she was going to keep the baby. She did want the baby. That was her decision that she, you know, was able to stand firm on. And that's why he was giving all these threats to her that her brother was hearing. He was threatening her over the internet. They were able to pull that because anything you do on the internet <laughs> you can't get rid of you can't right <laughs> your digital footprint is there somebody pulled it somebody grabbed it and so they were able to print that off as well and offer that up as evidence he actually did threaten her uh threatened to kill her so all the pieces are starting to come together and that's when she invites matt over and says hey listen I finally came to a conclusion of what I wanted to do. And he gets so angry because for him, and I also want to emphasize things that we've talked about before, but when you're young, when you're 20, 19, I believe he was 19 at the time, you are not thinking clearly because your brain has not developed. Yeah. So for him, you don't have have the full capacity of an adult and you don't until you're 25. Right. But every year you get older, you get a little bit more. Right. Right. And they just didn't have this on their side because for him, the embarrassment of having a child, what that meant, and for his super conservative family, right? Like, and then how am I going to take care of this baby? And what does this do to my reputation? And man, I can't play basketball. And you're my side chick. You're not my main chick. You're not even my main chick. Mm -hmm. You know, so all of that together just was like a ticking time bomb. But he managed to have sex with Marlissa before he killed her. Wow. Isn't that deep? I mean, that sounds like a mental illness. Mm -hmm. So he did that. Um, They had sex. And then he proceeded to stab her over 60 times, as we said before. And I have to say that he ended everything after he, you know, you know, hit her head against the toilet and stabbed her over 60 times. Then he got a, he got a fork from the kitchen and put it in her back. And it was so, he stabbed her so hard. I know this is so graphic, but he stabbed her so hard in the back that the fork was actually bent down. 
So he wanted to make sure there ain't no way you're going to be able to come back from this. I mean, I don't, she wasn't going to come back after six. She wasn't, but that's how enraged he was. And that that is a problem. Oh, girl. So what happened, Mike? MB, so what happened? they, they, the jury comes back. Okay. You know, they, they, you know, really, I don't even know what the defense was. <laughs> that <I> deal. <laughs> really know. Mm-hmm. And we usually have a defense side. Well, here, all I know is that the jury came back. <laughs> Listen. With the verdict of guilty. Mm-hmm. And he received life in prison um, plus. 20 years so even if you make it through the life even if you make it just know you got another 20 20 (laughs) tacked on and and like what that means because i know a lot of people are like what does that even mean life plus 20 Mm -hmm. so life is defined in various states by different numbers okay so in texas it may i I should know what it is Mm -hmm. in texas but don't off the top of my head okay but like let's talk about california because i I think california is something like life is like 20 years or 25 okay this may this is making more sense and so then you know if you get to the let's just say life in georgia is 20 Mm -hmm. and then after you get to 20 then tack on 20 more. Okay. So really you now have 40 years in, in prison. Okay. This is, I, you know, I never knew that. Yeah. So that's what, and I don't know what it is in Georgia mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is in Texas, but you can look that up. Mm-hmm. You can literally see like what, what does Texas define life as? Right. Um, and the number of years. Insert your state. Exactly. Yeah. And some, some, um, like Texas, you know, if you get life, more likely than not, you don't get the possibility of parole unless that is, like, actually, like, stated in. Wow. So, like, but if there are states, like, California, mm-hmm. I want to say, is a state that you, you know, parole is always optional. Yeah. But here's the kicker, guys. Girl, go ahead and tell them, because I'm going to just be quiet. It turns out that Marlissa wasn't even pregnant. Mm. Yep, you heard right. And I know you are I mean, like, like talking back job, to this episode, exactly. y'all. And I feel you because I think how. But first of all, let me just say how. So there are false positives that you can get. Mm-hmm. And you can get multiple false positives, yes, right? On a pregnancy t- test. So like let's say Marlissa took a pregnancy test, false positive. And mm-hmm. I don't know this to be true, but I just remember when you're young mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I had friends that took pregnancy tests mm-hmm. in high school mm-hmm. and we wasn't going and buying her the, you know, the EPT, mm-hmm. you know, at the the store at the store because you know those are expensive. Mm-hmm. You no, know, you was getting the dollar store pregnancy mm-hmm. tests, and I'm not saying that they're any different because I think that they are just. I have used them, okay, and mm-hmm. they are just as accurate. But the the thing is, is that you can get false positives, and that's why it's so important to go, you know, verify from your doctor, like have them drawing blood to ensure that you are pregnant. But so we don't know. Did she know she wasn't really pregnant? Mm-hmm. I mean, she, yeah, you know. I, you know, I want to lean towards. I think she, she probably really did. did. I think yeah. she really thought she was pregnant. Oh, yeah. If, because that's why she told Sarai. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was this secret. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't want anybody to know. And, like, why have fights with your boyfriend over something you don't even need to have a fight with your boyfriend over mm-hmm. if you're not? You know, it was just, but it just makes it so much more, it was already senseless. Even if she was pregnant is still a senseless murder right but the fact that she wasn't pregnant is like really matthew right you just lost your whole life yeah over something that didn't even, even really it, it wasn't, wasn't real. real it wasn't real 
false realities appearing real. That's why you have to ask questions, second and third level questions. For sure. And and I, you know, but her her, her mother, um, you know, Marlissa's mother. Marlissa's mm-hmm. mother. Marlissa's mother, you know, she settled, she settled her her feelings um and had peace about the situation because she gave it to God. And what happened to um Marlissa, she, you know, found forgiveness through through God and, you know, said that she experiences peace that is beyond understanding. Sure. Um, and um what happened to her daughter, you know, though it was senseless and evil. Hmm. Um, she she did find a sense of peace. All right, we're gonna go right into our takeaway. I feel like mine's is lengthy. It yeah. is, so you know what? Just I'm not. I'm not. Okay, okay, let me just do it. And I may just piggyback. Uh, okay. Here, so I don't think that my takeaway is any different. <laughs> Honestly, yes, I don't think y'all's yes. takeaway would be different. Hmm. Um, I just essentially said that, you know, this case was just, it, it made me feel so many different emotions watching it and then, you know, just digging into the background of it. It just, I was just very, very sad. And I think because I can, I'm instantly time shifted back when I was 16 years old and the feelings that I had. And, you know, when you get that first boyfriend and those hormones are rushing and you think that person can do no harm and they can do nothing to you and everything is good. Right. But the situation is you don't know what anybody would do under circum certain circumstances. Right. So for, Marlissa was like, yeah, I might be pregnant, but I'll figure it out as I go. But for Matthew, it was, I can't, this cannot happen. Like, I would do anything to stop this from happening, period. And you don't think about that other side. You, I mean, I don't think adults (laughs) think about that other side, but definitely not a 16-year-old, right? And so it's just a cautionary tale that I hope people who have teenagers that you these are the stories that you may not want to let them listen to our podcast necessarily because it is like explicit content in terms of how we talk about the crime cases um and what is involved but you know tell them about this case in your own words and how these relationships you can they seem innocent and for the most part this doesn't happen right but it can happen And these are the cases, this is where I get so passionate about telling these stories because people need to be able to learn from them, like learn from not necessarily that Marlissa did anything wrong because she did not, you know, but if we know, the more we know, the more we can prevent some things like this happening, right? So um, essentially I could go down and keep talking, but that essentially that is my takeaway this is a cautionary tale for people who are young and for all of us honestly to know that people are capable of just about anything and this case stings because she wasn't even pregnant for sure that that is why this case stings 
Um, and because she was young. Mm-hmm. She was young and she wasn't pregnant. Like, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. I think my um, my takeaway is really kind of more, geared more toward probably who is not our listener. But because I know we have parents that, you know, have children. I'm going to say my takeaway. And, and to, uh, really, I guess it's more toward the parent anyway. But I think that parents need to create a space for your children to share what they've done wrong. Hmm. The thing is, is that, you know, we we cannot expect our kids to be perfect. We're not perfect. Nobody walking this earth is perfect. Right. And so, you know, we're going to make, we're going to fall down. We're going to make mistakes. And that's something I try to share with my children. Like, you're going to mess up. Um, you're going to fail. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a part of life. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, your mistakes are are oftentimes the catalyst to be what helps you to thrive and oh, yeah. succeed and, and, and be, you know, great. But you are going to fail. And I think it's so important that we that as parents, we create space for our children to share those failures. Right. And to be able to be honest about the mistakes that mm-hmm. they make. Um, be, and I say that because I think two things would have happened here different for both Marlissa and for Matthew. If Marlissa was able to share with her grandparents that she thought she was pregnant, she probably could have gone to the doctor and, and found out that she that wasn't. wasn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if, you know... Um, and then the less likely that he would be able to try to even kill her. Right. And like also, you know, she, you know... It wouldn't have been the secret. Like mm-hmm. a lot of like evil happens mm-hmm. in secrecy. Oh, absolutely. Right when things are exposed, when the when, when the light is shown. Right, you know, darkness. You are able to hide things in darkness, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't see it. But when you turn that light on, hmm. now it's it's you know you see the truth. You see everything that is trying to you know was trying to be right, all the roaches. Uh, right, everything come out. <laughs> you know, and so I also think that like had even Matthew known mm-hmm. that like her grandparents knew, her mom knew, mm-hmm. like he may. Have also been less likely to bring his little black butt over there, right? And absolutely. Try to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so many things, and maybe the grandparents wouldn't have left her home mm-hmm. by herself because they would have been like, "You, you need you to broken, come with me. You broken this trust, right?" right. right. Um, and then I think also for Matthew, if Matthew was able to have a space where he shared with his parents that, "Man, I dropped the ball. I think I got a girl pregnant." And yes, you we're a Christian family. Mm-hmm. And yes, this is not what you expected this is not or what best. you mm-hmm. wanted from me. Right. But I did this. I dropped the ball. And then maybe they would have been able to coach him through his anger, his embarrassment, his rage, right. and all of the rest. And so it's not the parents' fault. No, by no means. By any mm-hmm. means am mm-hmm. I trying to say that. But I do think that, you know, when we look at these stories, we always need to be able to try to figure out how can I learn from mm-hmm, this, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we have this segment, the mm-hmm, takeaways. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I look at this and I'm like, it's a reminder for me to create space for my children mm-hmm. to be able to share with me when they fail and when they make a mistake because I need them to run to me, not to the world and not to their friends and not to any and everybody else that can't really help them and support them in the way that I can. Yes, I'm going to be disappointed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but my love for you will not change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I can say nothing but amen because um, to quickly just share an experience, I mean, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter at 25, and I mean, I just graduated from college, so I by no means was a teen mother. But um, growing up in a conservative family of what is my normal, I know it's not everybody's normal, um, it was very, you know, I was just very intimidated to tell my parents. And here I am, 25 years old. I'm just like, I gotta tell my mom. 
But I did tell my mom and I remember her being disappointed and all of that. But then coming to me, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later and saying, please, you know, I waited a couple of months to tell her. She was like, please tell me as soon as you know something that's going to impact your life like this. Like, tell me, I'm glad you told me, but come to me sooner. And it's because our parents, even though we knew that would be disappointing, they created a space that we knew that, okay, well, let me just go in and tell you. You know what I mean? I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball, but you know, here it is and let's work together. And because of that, I mean, I have a tribe. My my daughter is nine. I'm, I'm married to a daddy. I mean, it all worked out. So the things that you think are so intimidating. It was intimidating for me as a 25 year old. So I can only imagine having to carry that at 16, 16, you know, by yourself. So I definitely think that's such an awesome takeaway. So that is our segment guys and our episode. So, you know, if you enjoy our show, please rate and review on all the different platforms we're on and be sure to come back next week for another true crime episode. What? See y'all next week. Bye.